Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day because I'm above ground. I feel good because I can do another show. I can learn from another person. And today I've got Ganesha Morton with me. Ganesha is a woman who I initially thought uh, she, there must be a typo in her description because she is a bit of an overachiever when it comes to being an author. She has authored in excess of 150 books. Yes, you heard that right. Okay, so she's a bit of an overachiever. My suspicion is she is an addict. She has become addicted to life and addicted to writing <laughs> and writing about life. And that's why I needed to talk to her. So, Ganesha, welcome to my show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> no, no, it is. It is. Wow. When did you write your first piece? I mean, 150. I mean, you are a young woman. You are a woman in your prime. It's not that you're 78 and you have spent your whole life. Most people don't write one book. You write 150. Come on. Where, where did you start? I started back. Well, I used to write a lot when I was younger but I would never finish anything. Um, I just would get interested or do something else. But in 2011, my best friend and I, we sat down and we talked through my very first book. And once I got the ball rolling, um, I attempted to publish it on Amazon. I'm a dreamer. I dream every day, sometimes two, three times a day, whether I'm awake or whether I'm sleeping. And this one dream kept nagging me and it would repeat over and over and over again. And so I figured if I wrote it down, it would leave me alone. Number one, that's not true. And number two, I didn't write it well the first time. It wasn't until I met my mentor in 2018 that I said, okay, I'm going to take the time I need to write this book because the story was hard. It was loosely based on some things that I'd gone through and it was bringing up everything that I had shoved under some rug somewhere. I hid it all from me because dealing with it was hard because I didn't have any support. I didn't have any help. No one believed my story. So I just hid from it like it didn't exist, like everybody else was doing. If I pretend that that never happened, I will be okay. That's another lie. So when I began to write into the story, I understood why I felt the way I felt most of the time and half of what I was going through. And it helped me get through all of it. And so from that story, it was as if my characters spoke to other characters. I guess they all know each other or something and said, hey, she's writing. And so my dreams started overloading with all these stories. And I was like, I can only write one of these at a time. Turns out that's a lie. I can write more than one story at a time. Who knew? <laughs> I didn't know until I could. And the fact that God blessed me with a mentor who would not let me quit. Remember, I said when I was younger, I would start and then stop. There was no such thing as starting and stopping. And she did not let her foot off the gas until I was done. And so the next year, it was my second year, she had a goal to write 125 books by her birthday. 
And I was talking to my mom about it. And I said, I think I want to do something similar or something like that one day. I wasn't planning on doing it at that time. I said one day. And my mom said, well, no, I shouldn't put that much on you, blah, blah, blah. And again, it sounded like she was telling me the same stuff growing up. You can't do it. It won't work. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And I ended up doing 150. So I'm in the middle of a rewrite because I really want to present my best self in these stories. And I knew I was at towards the end. I was just writing to say that I finished. And I was like, no, let's go back and fix the story. No, let's go back and do this. Let's present your best self so that when people read the story, they get the whole story and not just you at your wit's end trying to finish something. But I didn't know I could do it until I did it. It was impossible until I finished it. And I was like, I wrote 150 books. Wow, I had a lot to say. <laughs> so Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and the thing is, I have more books on top of those. So I'll just be writing more this year and they should all be published. The 150 should be published this year. The extras will probably be sometime into next year. And I'm working on a movie with the first four books. Um, those, that's a quadrilogy. And so I am excited because I didn't know I loved writing this much until I started writing and until I had someone to believe in me well enough to say, you can do more than just write. And so now I'm a speaker, I'm a coach. I've always sung. I love to sing and I have more confidence to sing when after I started writing. And that's weird because I sing better than I speak. So I don't understand how that works. Beautiful. Wow. I mean, that explains that 150 books, how that how you can achieve that. And that's still madness in my eyes. Um, but what is so important is that you are essentially, let me rephrase it, you are coming out, aren't you? You are actually, you have found your voice. And from, from a person who could never find his voice, who didn't know who he was prior to rehab, to now finding my voice. That is intoxicating. That is refreshing. That is a freedom that I had prior to that. I had never experienced. So now for you to actually go out there and and say all these things, wow, I can I can feel your elation. I can feel your 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 ah this explosion. Of, of shouting it from the rooftops. And that's amazing. But And I love it, what you do, because you you actually, looking at your books, you have got a variety of sort of novels where you use, where you let your, uh, your heroes and anti-heroes deal with, deal with the mental health problems. There are other books when you have actually given advice. So you're going down... Whatever comes into your mind, you're putting in a book. Wow, uh, that is uh, that is beautiful. But I mean, from from an author myself, uh, the the process of writing is easy. You just write, and sometimes five thousand words, ten thousand words, they can happen in a day. Um, and sometimes it's hard to wrench one meaningful sentence out. Um, so with your with the amount of, of writing that you have done, how do you, there is no writer's block for you. Let me guess. 
you're just you're just writing regardless what happens honestly it's not writer's block for me it would be procrastination <laughs> i <laughs> yep. tend to get distracted by daydreaming or other things that i feel like should be happening <laughs> and i'll say i'll do it later and what I had to learn is later is it going to happen until I do it. So for me, it's procrastination. If I find that I don't know how to say something, I just write it out the way that I see it or hear it. And then I'll say it out loud and realize, oh, it'll sound better this way. Beautiful. So for writer's block, I say write it out the way you're hearing it, the way you're seeing it. And then when you read it out loud, you'll go, oh, that doesn't make sense. Let me do it this way. And you can keep your flow going. Mm. Or if you, what I do is pretend that I'm watching a movie and it's about what I'm writing about. So what would I want my characters to say? What would I sit in the theater to watch them say and watch them do? And that helps as well. So no, I don't really deal with the writer's block. It's yeah. usually procrastination. Mm. And that's quite good. The other thing that you do is this uh, working on multiple projects at the same time, because there are days when you maybe don't want to dive too much into maybe a very heavy subject. And uh, there's been literally, you actually would do absolutely anything to not write that book. And that's fair. There are days when you can't deal with your own emotions, with a certain set of emotions. But then you say, well, actually, today I'm going to work on something else. Uh, how cool is that? So for someone who is, is focused on writing, now, that is the solution, isn't it? It is. What I've done, especially with the first four, because they were so hard, I had poetry on the side, mm. or I had a different story that had absolutely nothing to do with what I was writing about there. So if I found that I was struggling with my emotions, I would go to that story because nine times out of 10, that story is in a happy place. Yeah. And so I can pull myself out of the emotion and go into the happy place with this story and then come back and deal with the hardships of this story and bring them to their happy place because I now have the strength to do so. Sometimes I walk away altogether and don't write a thing. I'll just, I'll be back. I need a minute to go run, to go mm. sing something or do something else. Even if it's sleeping, I just need a minute. <laughs> So and I'll true. be back. Mm. And the characters do say, are you going to finish our story? And I'm coming. Are you paying me for this? Like, really, chill. So. <laughs> uh, having said that, having said that, so whilst I love your, your, your thing, um, that is my most recent book, My Steps to Sobriety. Um, and that book was in the making. I mean, I wrote it probably within four months six months something like that from the first first idea to what i thought would be the, the finished thing well actually what was the version one so to speak so but those six months were quite complicated for me the writing was easy but to deal with my emotions because i went through through i i re-experienced i relived so many situations in the book I found that hard and it took me quite some time to work with that. 
So I let a pass out, so to speak, but it it took me quite a bit to actually get over that. Uh, how do you do that? I mean, once you start writing something down, there it is. There is the truth. The truth is out there. And you suddenly right. read it and you think, shit, did I write that? Did that really happen? And now the feelings come. So how can you keep writing? Have you have you used the writing? Maybe let me be devil's advocate. By just keeping yourself busy with the writing, did you avoid having to deal with your emotions? One thing I did have was my mentor. Oh. When it got too hard, I will let him know this is too hard. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Mm. And we would talk through it. And she would ask, what is hard about it? Why does it hurt you? What is going on? And she does have a degree in psychology. So uh. she was able to navigate with me through it. Or um, I will let the emotion happen. If I'm crying, I'm crying. If I'm angry, I'm angry. If I am upset or depressed, I just let the emotion happen. And then I remember I'm not there anymore. Oh, beautiful. I'm in a totally different place. I am safe. I am an adult. This can't happen to me anymore. And I'm okay. And I remind myself I have forgiven this incident. So it no longer has the power it used to have over me. Uh, and sometimes you have to say that stuff out loud to hear yourself say, or to jolt yourself out of the memory or the, the uh, feeling that you're still there so that you're not stuck. You're not, I'm not here anymore. Yeah. I've forgiven. It's okay. We're just, we're calling to help someone else right now. And you can't help anybody else if you stay stuck here. Wow. So, uh, wow. What an insight. What an insight. But then again, look at you. So you started in 2011. So we're talking 10 years. So you essentially did something that is so unusual. You actually dealt with your own baggage that was hidden deep, deep, deep down for the last 10 years what a journey what a journey of self-love what a journey of giving yourself the respect that you deserve and you just used your books to actually peel back one layer of trauma after the other and allow to yourself to heal one layer one book one sometimes page one paragraph at the time wow now talk about therapy. I mean, that is the, the epitome. And that is the beautiful thing. I mean, you certainly did never believe that that would happen uh, when you started writing, did you? No, when I started, I thought nobody's going to read these books. Why am I writing? Doesn't make sense. I, I, don't, I don't get it. And when I finished... I felt a freedom. I just, I didn't understand it, but I loved it. I was like, wow, I can do it. Mm. And so part two came and I went through it. And I also learned a hard lesson. If you don't tell the story the way the characters give it to you, they will erase it and you will start over. 
I was in the library. I had written for hours, feeling good. I didn't like the way the story was going because it reminded me of too much. So I changed it. I'm like, I'm an author. I can change it. It's my story. And I don't know what happened. I didn't, my fingers were nowhere near a delete button, a return button, or anything to cause the screen to go blank. And suddenly the screen went blank. And no matter where I scrolled, there was nothing there. And I looked in the garbage and there was nothing there. And I was like, my whole story is gone. gone. And then it started over. I was in the library, boo-hooing like a baby, like, my story is gone. So I rewrote it and I wrote it the way it was given to me. And it's been that way ever since. So I, I learned a very hard lesson that day, but I now stay, stay true to the story. If I find that I'm afraid, if I find that I'm, you know, it's too much, I know how to back away and come back to it. It'll be right there. The story doesn't change because I don't want to start over. <laughs> wow. And I have the courage now to also, I have developed more courage in writing the truth of the matter. I'm actually working on my autobiography, so you will get to see the real story, which was what I tried to start doing, and it didn't work out. So I believe God gave me a different avenue so that I could write the story and then go back to the real version after I got through this part. But there's, of course, also the growth in you. It's it's like going to the gym. The first time you try to lift even the, the slightest dumbbell, you think, Fuck, I can't do that. Um, and then once you have gone for six months, or in your case, 10 years, you don't even go to the small hand dumbbells. You go to the other end and say, okay, what's the biggest one? Shall we start with that? Oh, yeah. Because you have built up the, the strength. You've built up the technique. Your things that were impossible for you to start off with are now natural and now like a second, something you do without even thinking. And that is the beautiful thing. That is the same with recovery from mental health. That's the same with practicing, um, practicing, when I say mental health, mental health problems, let's say about of depression. When you keep practicing um, the looking after yourself, it becomes second nature. It becomes normal for you to make sure you're hydrated, to make sure that you're actually going out and about, that you have got a balance of a bit of physical exercise in your day, every day, that you eat healthy. That's all happens. If you're working on your relapse or if you're working on your depression, then you forget all that and put it away. And it's the same for you with the writing. So things have gotten easier and your therapy has gotten easier. You're getting more quickly over the emotions. You have the insights. You, I mean, that was such a powerful thing that you said, okay, that was in the past and that's where it needs to stay. Unless I just want to look back at it to learn from it and help others. Now that's the most beautiful thing I have heard for a long time because that is, that is so important. Um, do you, I mean, that is you today. That is you writing. What happens in the early hours of the morning? Do you still wake up? And what are your dreams like now? Do you get still dreams that you don't like? I get all kinds of dreams. I believe I get dreams from other people's story as well. 
and I am writing their story. Uh, I believe I'm writing the story for the people who lost their voice somewhere or feel like they don't have a voice. I noticed that a lot of times when people have read the book or whatever, they say, this is my story. And I feel like when I get those stories, that's for me to speak on that person's behalf. And um, so that's that's what I do. The dreams are still there. Um, some of them are a little bit harsh. Others are okay. But um, I have since had therapy, still have therapy. I have a couple of counselors and I have coaches. I have support people who are surrounding me. I found it amazing that you take the step towards deciding you want to change or you want to be different. Then God provides that that assistance for you. Mm. Um, I've even written a book about shifting your focus and being consistent and choosing your words wisely. It's called Count It All Joy. And I used to think in order for you know you to have joy, things have to be all good all the time. Everything good has to be happening for me to be happy. Hmm. If bad things are happening, then duh, I'm not supposed to be happy. But that's not true. In writing Count It All Joy, I learned how to have joy regardless of what was happening. And I began to realize I had to change my focus. If something bad happening and I focus on that bad thing, then that's where I stay. And of course, it goes from bad to depression and from depression to other things. But if something bad is happening and I say, okay, that's just one bump in the road, how can we focus on what's good? And when I look at what's good, what's good is and then more good things begin to happen. And I say, oh, that's how people do it. They're not happy all the time. They just choose to be. Mm. And there's a difference when you choose it than when you wait for it to happen. Because if you wait for it to happen, it may never happen. But once you choose it, it's going to be because you said so, not because you're waiting for someone else to make it for happen for you. So, um, yes, I've had, I still have therapy. I still have it where I have had days like these last couple of weeks. I have been fighting to stay consistent with being live, to stay consistent with um, writing, to just stay consistent, period. Because things have not been happening the way I needed them to. However, I do know it's going to get to that day where it's a smooth flow for me. And I'm not going to have the worries and the concerns that I have. So I keep going because it's got to get better if I keep going. Um, I know the scientists say a body in motion stays in motion. I say a vision in motion stays in motion. So if I stop, the vision stops. So I have to keep it moving. I would rephrase that. I would say you're turning a vision into a mission by taking active steps. You are actually putting one one foot in front of the other. You are, in your case, writing. And you're writing about uh, whatever comes to your mind. And it is, it is a beautiful thing because you're actually therefore dealing with a variety of things. You allow yourself to experience the feelings you allow you it's like a release valve in your brain 
you, the moment you sit in front of your computer, things will come out. And you probably had the same experience like me. Sometimes I, one day I forced myself to write. I had a complete writer's block and I thought, oh, bullshit. And I just write. I forced myself to write. And suddenly I realized that my fingers were writing and it was like an out-of-body experience. I observed myself and looked at the paper and thought, what is coming out of here? Where is that coming from? And it was one of the best chapters I had written. And it was, I had not known that was waiting to come out, but there it came, like like subconscious stuff. Uh, ah, I got goosebumps <laughs> because that is what happens. Um, and it is just the power of your mind, the power of things that, that you didn't know still needed to be dealt with uh, are suddenly coming out. And that is powerful. That is where the breakthroughs happen, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes we tap into into things that that are a bit spooky and are a little bit out there. But again, that is part of life. There are energies out there. There are things happening in our brain that we have no bloody clue about. Uh, but there are people like you and me who are sort of chipping away. And, and opening little doors and sort of see what happens, what comes out. Most of the time, it's not Pandora's box, but there might be a few demons waiting in there. Okay. But be, a, be, a, be a opening one door at a time. The demon comes out and you can actually look at it and say, it's okay. Nice to meet you again. But actually, you, you were in the past, weren't you? Yeah, that was the past. And now, right now, I'm in control. You are no longer the victim. You are in control of your life and you're getting stronger. You're practicing the good, the good, so to speak, over the demons. And that is, that is cool. Wow. Kanisha, so, so you've done 150 books and you've explored so much. You could say, well, hang on. There's only so much you can explore. I mean, at some stage, the trauma is enough. You've dealt with it. You've done with it. Are you done writing? No. <laughs> uh, there are, like I said, there are other stories that come to me that I believe come from others that God shows me, okay, this person needs your help. And I will get that story in a dream. Mm -hmm. There are things that I've learned. For instance, I wrote a book called um, The Other Side of Munchausen's My Addiction to Depression. Now, I know Munchausen's is the disease where moms make their kids sick or a caregiver makes their person sick to get attention. But I also consider Munchausen's to be you making yourself sick for attention. And I wasn't always depressed. Depression happened after I grew a little older and my confidence had been broken. Mm. But I didn't know I was addicted until my brother said to me one day, you just like being sad. All you want is people to feel sorry for you. And I became angry and upset and I went off and was like, you don't understand. Nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. They keep teasing me, blah, 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 blah. But recently, when I was on the phone with someone, I saw the same thing in her that he saw in me that day. I said, that's what he was talking about. 
because no matter how much I tried to encourage her, she found a way to remain sad and to make it depressing. And I was like, wow, is that what I did? Is that what I sounded like? And that's where that came from. I said, I was so addicted to depression. I didn't realize I relied on depression or people's pity to show me that they cared. And that's not the case at all. People don't want to be around that kind of darkness 24 hours, seven days a week, especially if they're people who are genuinely happy. So I had to realize that number one is my decision to be happy. No one can do that for me. No one can make me happy. No one can, you can buy me stuff and be around all the time. But if I don't decide I'm going to be happy, I'm not going to be happy. Number two, being addicted to depression was on me. It was where my focus was. At that time, I focused mostly on it wasn't fair that this happened to me. It wasn't fair that no one ever got caught. It wasn't fair that they can lie about it and get away with it. That was my focus. I didn't focus on the fact that I survived. I didn't focus on the fact that I'm now in a healthier place. I didn't focus on any of that stuff. So because I focused in the darkness, that's where I lived. And it wasn't until, I promise you, I met this mentor and um, I was a part of a travel club where I was trained by Tony Robbins through one of his, his coaches. Mm. And when I started using the stuff that I was being taught, I said, oh, I don't have to stay dark. I can actually turn some lights on and look around and see some good things happening. And the more I started to celebrate me, the more God sent people around to celebrate with me. And yeah, there are still people who mistreat me and there's still people who bully me or try to or whatever, but that's not my focus anymore. I'm not even concerned with what they think. I learned that what other people think about me is none of my business. That is between you and whatever it is you do with your God. What I think about me is what matters. And I think I'm amazing. And I think I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think I have good things to say. And I think I'm an awesome person. I'm beautiful. I am young. I am gifted. And I have too much time on my hands to love on those who are loving me than to worry about what you think. So do I want to intentionally hurt someone? No, but I'm not going to keep hurting me so that you can feel good about you. And it took me a while. I still have relapses. There's a chapter in it that talks about a relapse. But I am learning to be consistent. I am learning to keep going with it. When I fall, I get right back up and be like, okay, you fell. You're not bleeding. Let's do it again. Or you fell. You're bleeding a little bit. Let's clean it up. Try it again. Beautiful. But I don't give up anymore. I refuse to give up. I am not quitting because if I quit, I don't go anywhere. I just go backwards and I'm not starting over. So, uh, wow, 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 I love it. But so, guys, I hope you listened to that very carefully um, because there is there are so many beautiful things in there. One of the things that strikes me is that you just that you didn't just sit at home. You actually invested thoroughly in mentors. 
you surrounded yourself with a power team where you were the dumbest person in the team and you chose your team wisely. You had counselors, you had mentors, you had, uh, in this case, you bought into Tony Robbins' uh, philosophy and I'm there as well. So I'm a big fan of the guy. So I'm, I'm, yes, I'm there. Um, So, but you chose a, a number of avenues how to grow and you 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 didn't take no for an answer you actually dealt with the core beliefs i loved what you said earlier that uh in the past you had this message oh no you can't do it um there were these core beliefs introduced to you to you at a very early stage in your childhood no no uh, yeah yeah you you dream on little dreamer that's it's yeah it's yeah yeah go get a job kind of a thing and now you're saying, well, actually, I've got a job. I've got a very good job because I make people's life better. That's what I say about my job as an anesthetist. You have done the same as an author. I make people's life better because I tell their story. And I show them that all the, the, the lessons that I've learned, the hard way, um, the expensive way, because you must have spent tens of thousands of dollars on your personal growth in the last 10 years and this is beautiful you put your money where your mouth is and you have grown you therefore you took action again what i'm all about taking action in every simple in every single aspect of your life you chose to go down that route and get become a better person and then you looked at your writing you looked at your your personal being at your depression, you dealt with that, and you keep dealing with it because you also said, "Hey, there are days that are not so good," and you're fine. You're accepting that. Um, how and you know how long does a dark period last for you nowadays? Not long at all. I think the last, the latest one, it tried this week, and. I went live and I said, depression, tried it, tried it, but it didn't work. <laughs> Excellent. I said, you know what? Um, Cause it was saying, you know what? You've done so many days. They'll understand you're not having a good day, blah, 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 whatever. You can't do it. I said, you know what I did? I did the only logical thing I could do. I got dressed and I went live anyway. I was like, not today, sir. Okay. <laughs> and that's, so that's I got dressed, I did my hair, I put on makeup, I put on clothes, and I yeah. went live. Mm. Had a good time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So again, you took action and you changed your physical stance. Tony Robbins is very strong on that. So we might as well give the man credit for where credit is deserved to actually uh, change your state, he calls it. He changes, he goes for power moves. He goes, yeah, come on. I want you to look up. I want you to laugh at the ceiling. I want you to do crazy things. And now I want you to be depressed, but keep, keep laughing, keep doing these crazy things. And it's virtually impossible. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you did exactly that. So very good thing. And that's that's often what I do, actually. Uh, it's a bit hard at work when you suddenly do these kind of things. So I tend to go to the toilet and just <laughs> do whatever I need to do. But it works. It bloody well works. Yes, so, <laughs> so good on you. Um, there are, however, days where I actually 
give in because I think that negative emotions are messages from my body. I'm very good in pushing my limits. I'm very good in keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, I'm Mr. Burnout uh, personified. So therefore, sometimes when there is a darkness coming over me, and sometimes when I just want to curl up into a fetal position, I not necessarily have to call it depression. I might just have called it that I've burned the candle on both ends and nope. Yeah. You have to stop. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah. don't give yourself necessarily a label that that is actually not true. You've just completely fucked up because you just done so much. Uh, yeah. And that was this week. This week I was I was uh, I was fasting. Um, so for much of the week I didn't eat anything or tiny amounts, and so I was actually crystal clear. And I was on a bang, 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 bang. And it was just, it came out. I was productive as hell. I loved it. But then really by yesterday, I was, I woke up and I was just, uh, I could barely think. Um, and it was just bizarre. And I just gave in. So yesterday was very little production. Uh, I was actually, I just binged watched something on telly and uh, it was just rest day completely. And today I woke up, bing. Okay, let's take on the world. Um, so that's that was no depression. That was that was that was just me being stupid. Okay, so let's be quite clear about that. Distinguish that, guys. Um, but there are times when when depression can hit, um, and I love it how you said it. It's like an old friend coming to knock on the door and trying to to you know spend some time with you, and it's your choice. You can let him in, or or you can actually say no. I'm sorry. No, sorry. I've got already friends uh, here. They, they're called Joy and Love of Life. They're quite busy with me. We're having a party. I'm sorry. You can't come in depression. Okay. So, you <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's brilliant. Wow. So, my goodness. So, here you are. Um, and it's amazing to hear you, your transformation. 10 years and that's a hell of a long transformation and you're still going where are you going to who do you want to be in a year's time who do you want to be in the let's say in 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 five years what are your dreams my goal is to be everything god has given me to be all of the gifts and talents he's given me i want to use them all and just like the two men the three men in the story I don't I no longer want to be the man who hides my talent I want to be the one who goes out and doubles and triples and quadruples that talent so that others can see they can do the same thing I hope by next year to have my studio booked for the movie Um, I can show you the first yes yes please this is the comments. It is yeah. part of my life in a dream. This is part one. It is a four-part series, and it talks about family secrets. You'll see a couple of families who have unnecessary secrets, mm-hmm. and then you'll see the pattern repeat itself, and then you will see people either deal with it or run from it, and the results thereof. So the story is is really based on some things that have happened to me. I was able to talk about 
the abuse without naming people because it it didn't have to be that particular person for me to talk about it for it to help me. Like I said, I am doing the autobiography, so you it will eventually know the entire story in its complete truth. But um, you get to see how these families overcome family secrets because the carpet can only hold so much. And then truth starts seeping out and (laughs) everybody is like, are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding me. And then you see the kids repeat. And then you finally see where this one little girl says no more. I'm done with repeating it. And if I have to step away from it to get to do something different, that's fine. And she encourages her mother to take on the fight of reuniting their family no matter the cost. So it's it's that kind of a story where you'll have some cliffhangers. The last part, it does leave you in a cliffhanger, but it leads to the one story that he talked about earlier that you don't want to write. Yeah, that one, it leads to that one. And when I have the courage to write that one, I will. I feel like it's coming soon. But it is basically how to overcome and how to choose not to stay where you are if you don't want to be there. Now, if you enjoy being depressed and that is your that's your gig, I'm not judging. But you do want to reach out to help people from a place of healing because it won't work if you yourself are not healed. Um, Speaking from a little bit of experience where I tried and it just triggered me the entire time because I hadn't dealt with it myself. So you want to wait until you yourself are healed and then you can say, I can reach out because you can't give somebody anything from an empty cup. They can tell you they're thirsty all day long, Mm. but if your cup is empty, you can't give them anything. So fill your cup up, drink some yourself, and then you can reach out and help other people. And actually helping other people is a way to heal as well, because you're not focused on you. Mm. You're focused on someone else and it helps Mm. take the pressure of the guilt or whatever it is you're feeling away from you and in helping other people, I Mm. saw what I needed to do for me. And I was able to do that from that point of view, because sometimes it's hard to see what you need when you're in it. So true. I mean, there's, we need to talk about one thing, Dell, because so far we have talked about benefits of writing. We talked about you and your amazing transformation. You came out with a lot of truths. You broke a taboo that is existing in many families. Often enough, people know about what is happening, the sexual abuse behind closed doors, the alcoholism, the mental health problems, the schizophrenia, ADHD, autism, all those things that no one wants to talk about, um, but they are part and parcel of that. And you suddenly open up the curtains wide for everyone to look into your family. What did your family say about you opening up the doors? I was shocked. I didn't mention them directly, but there were a few who could put some things together. Uh, One uncle said that he thought something was going on, but he wasn't sure. Mm. 
he also remembered saying um, to my dad that he can't be hitting on us like that because we were little kids and my dad would beat us like we were these big, strong people or whatever. And he said, y'all would hide under the tables and chairs. And the one thing I had to catch myself with was, why would you just stand there and watch? Why wouldn't you do anything? Why wouldn't you take action with what you saw and then what you felt was happening? There is no way in the world I'm going to watch my nephew or niece be abused. There was, I didn't do it. I did it. I stood up to my brother. I was like, you're not going to do this to this little boy today, not in front of me. And, or my, even my dad, you're not going to do thus and so, not to them. And so my kids didn't spend a lot of time with him on purpose. So I said, I don't understand how the family saw it and knew it and did nothing and just left us there. That is a yeah. But that is that is your trauma. So you're again talking about your trauma and seeing the responses of your family. Were you ostracized? Yeah, were you were you pushed pushed out? Were you suddenly becoming well, the black already, sheep in the family? I was already the black sheep. I was already not the favorite person because uh, I didn't stay quiet for long. Uh, and I believe that's part of the reason why we left New York to go to Georgia to get away from the fact that I may have said something that triggered police to investigate. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So I was already on that the, the nice side of the family. Yeah. Um, my family really still doesn't communicate with me even today. And I've grown to be okay with that. Mm. I will reach out and make sure everybody is good, but I don't have to have an everyday conversation the way I thought I did before. Um, they they say they're proud of me and they're encouraged by me. Oh, However, that side of the family is the supporter side. Oh. And I even have a book signing coming up in Jersey where I'm going to spend some time with my uncle and aunt. And my uncle says, when you get here, I got you. And he's the one encouraging me to look up different bookstores to have my book signings in. So the side of the family I kind of thought would support me. They did buy the book, but the support was like, eh. But the other side of the family that I didn't really think because we were taken away and we didn't really get to grow up with them the way I hoped. Uh, they're the ones, I love reading your books. And I loved it. And I was like, really? You bought books? <laughs> okay. Thank you. So um, the, I've had both reactions, mostly quiet. Mm. My mom shocked me when she asked me, why do you call this fiction? And I said, you're the main one who called me a liar in this whole thing. And you want to know why I'm calling it fiction. Uh -huh. But I didn't say anything. I just said, you know, it was a dream. And this, these are this, you know, people's stories. So oh. I don't really know them like that. I did back up. I did get afraid to really respond to that. So, um, and it was my first book signing too. I just wasn't expecting her to ask me that. So it kind of caught me off guard. But I can see from that response that she has probably always believed me, but just didn't know how to 
how to handle it. And her best way of self-care was to pretend it never happened. I'm just a kid. I'm just making it up. Uh, exactly. Maybe that was her best form of self-care for herself. And that's, that's you're saying it beautifully. Um, only because you are ready to tackle uh, some very dark demons does not mean to say that someone else is ready. It is, mm. yeah, I had to experience that with my own mom when I asked her about her youth. I asked her about her, her attitude towards the Vietnam War um, when you know, people were demonstrating in, in German streets that, and, and you know, there, was, there was upheaval around about the time when I was a child. And I was there, what do you think? And she thought for a moment and she said, I was busy not to try and to commit suicide um, because I was in such a dark place. And then she stopped talking, never talked about it again. And I thought, fuck, where's this coming from? But And I was not ready then to address her mental health. I put my head in the sand. She put her head in the sand. And nowadays she is dead. Um, we never got around to actually talking about things. But it just shows that only because you're starting to, to find a voice that can backfire with some relationships who rather choose to completely disengage and maybe even talk bad about you. Um, was that was that happening as well? Where there's some very clearly hostile changes happening? People talking behind your back, trying to, to put you in a bad reputation in order to somehow make them feel better, make them look better? When I was younger and I first brought it to my mom's attention, um, and I only mentioned one person, I figured we'd take this one person at a time to tell her that multiple people have done multiple things would probably be a little too much. So I brought up one person and I asked her, what if I told you my dad has hurt me? And in her face, I saw, you remember that? That's what I saw. But out of her mouth came, he loved you too much to do something like that to you. I don't think he did that. And then she just got quiet. But her face said, you still remember that? And I learned how to read her face. I learned how to read a lot of faces because when you don't know what's coming, you kind of got to try and figure it out so you can duck and dodge out the way. But I wanted to know her because I wanted her to love me. I wanted her to like me. I wanted to be her best friend. And I said, if I know how she's feeling without her having to say it, then I can know how to respond and she'll like me. So when she said that, the person who um, was trying to help me through it or said she was trying to help me through it, took it to one of the pastors at the church and said that I told her to approach him. I never told her to do that. I never even wanted to admit it to myself when she brought it to my attention as something that God has shown her. And I, I was like, no, he didn't. He wouldn't do that to me. 
you know, no, he didn't. And I left it there. She took it upon herself to do other things. And so when the associate pastor said, uh, someone brought to my attention that you said this, I said, I already know who it is. You don't have to give me their name. I said, but I didn't tell her to tell you anything. I said, I never said that about my dad to her. She came to me with it. But when I went home and went to sleep, memories came back. Mm. And I realized that all along, these weren't just dreams that I was having. These were memories. And I brought it to my mom's attention, hoping she would cover for me, hoping she would help me through it. And I was called a liar. I was called paranoid, schizophrenic. I was called everything under the sun. And even when... I decided to press charges because I thought he hurt my kids. Because when they say something, I listen. Uh, everybody was on his side. Everybody. The only somebody's on my side were me and my three boys. And I was homeless. And I was living in my car. And we had nowhere to go. And so at that time... I decided I didn't want to fight anymore and I quit. I found myself apologizing for lying about something I never lied about mm. so I could keep peace mm. and maybe get my mom to love me again. Mm. Wow. And yeah. that is not a good idea. Please don't ever do that. That messed me up further. It took me even darker because I shouldn't have quit. I should have stood my ground and I should have said, no, I'm not lying. No, this did happen. No, I am no longer ashamed. I have other things that I still have yet to uncover. But because of being bold enough to face the truth, even though I was afraid, especially to write it out, then it's helping me deal with the other stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I strongly believe nowadays that putting your head in the sand is only feeding the trauma and is only only making it worse. It is just um, in its own right, each and every time you suppress it, I mean, not much. It's the same as you keep rubbing. If I just rub a little bit, well, there's a bit of a sensation. If I kept doing that now a whole day, you bet for sure my skin will break down and it will be a festering sore. So, yeah, once or twice pushing things away because you say I'm not not in the right headspace now to deal with it, that's okay. But don't keep doing that for weeks, months, years. No, this is this kills you. Uh, this is This is suicide in installments, really. What you're doing there no uh, is what do you do with a, with a really rotten tooth in your mouth you know it makes you actually sick you might even be not just pain but you're swollen and red and you feel like shit and and you know it's that tooth that tooth can't be fixed it needs to come out doesn't it so here you go right. so sometimes and it will hurt that it comes out but once it is out then suddenly all the the pain and suffering 
can go away and you can start healing. Um, and I yes. think that's that's what we all need to learn. No one, see, when it comes to, to, to alcoholism, 95% of the people who are in, in most books and alcoholic or drink dangerously will tell you that there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. And that denial is part of the disease. Denial is, is, is actually one of the hallmarks of alcoholism. Uh, we don't want to have it true. Now that denial, however, is also there for many other mental health problems and for in, in the stages of, of abuse for such a long time, we try to keep hiding things even from ourselves. And it's uh, I, in my book, My Steps to Sobriety, I call it the silent generation. The silent generation are the children of alcoholics who who just keep their mouth shut because they don't know if mommy will slap them silly or if they get a hug. Um, they just don't know. They become very good in reading everything. And that is exactly what you described, isn't it? You're very good in picking up the what's going on. Um, the, to a certain degree, there are features of PTSD there. And in in medical terms, Cases like yours, you could argue, is that complex PTSD um, that is playing a role in your life. Um, have you gone down that route of actually exploring exploring that side uh, from a medical point of view, from a, from a counselor point of view? Or uh, were you more staying away from the medicalization and actually working down the dream route the working with mentor route. Okay, um, I do have a therapist. I don't like medications. I'm not a medication kind of person. However, if I feel that it is necessary, I don't hesitate to say, okay, you know what? I've tried myself and it's not working. Maybe I need a little help, hmm. but um, so I do have a therapist. I have two. One is uh, more of a hypnotherapist where through hypnosis, which is awesome, by the way, and I get the best sleep. <laughs> uh, we confront some things and I have techniques to use so that when things are overwhelming or when I feel like I'm going to just pass out or freak out, I know how to to use those techniques to bring myself back to my center and realize, okay, okay, you're good, you're good, you're good. If I need to, I know who to call out to and say, you know what, I'm trying all this stuff and I just look like an idiot tapping myself. So, <laughs> you know, I know how to say I need help. <laughs> and um, I also know how to do something to jerk myself out of it. I'll call my sons to see how they're doing. Usually that helps me all the way through because they're my favorite people. And once I talk to them, I completely forget whatever it was I was freaking out about. But I have avenues, I have different ways to go through it. And of course, writing will never stop being one of them. Mm. But I do actually have a support system, a really cool circle and I am able to trust them with the deepest, darkest parts 
and not hear about it from other people. And um, I'm able to walk through it and heal it. And then these are people who are also not afraid to tell me the truth. So they're not going to be like, oh, poor baby. I know. No, these are people who'll be like, are you done? Uh Are you done? uh Finished? So we can move on now? You finished? You sure? You're done. Okay. So this is what we need to do. And you're like, really? I just gave you all that. We're not even going to cry about it. Like, but no, I didn't want to anyway. I don't care. Okay. Yeah. No, no. It's it's okay to have a pity party. Let's call it what it is. It's okay to feel like that and wallow a bit in it and and just really feel sad about yourself. Maybe even put put some music on. Les Miserables works for me perfectly. The musical, put it on. Within five minutes, I'm crying. And it's a release. It's 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 fine if I actually need to experience. They'll say, oh. <laughs> They'll say to me, okay, you have 24 hours. Yeah, exactly. Feel exactly. What you feel and cry it out. And in 24 hours, we're going to pick up from right here. Exactly. 24 or 48, depending on what happens. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's 48 hours. Let it go. Exactly what I do. Exactly. Uh, no, it's it's it, because these emotions—they are messages from your body. There is there is a need for you to go there, and that's okay. That's okay. Just go there, get it over and done with, and then move forward, move on. And that is the powerful thing. That is what you have become a master in, and therefore that is uh, that is so so such a beautiful skill to acquire, but it takes practice. It takes it takes skill. You need to learn it, and you need to learn it from others first. And again, I'm so 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 encouraged to to hear you talking about your power team. I had I had a, a physio. I have a physiotherapist, physio, hypnotherapist. Damn it! I've got a, a gorgeous hypnotherapist uh, who helped me with my PTSD, and it is the as you say, it's such a beautiful oh, feeling to for someone to help you help you to rearrange your brain um it's beautiful it's like a spring cleaning but it's the best sleep ever as you say and most of the time i'm floating out of her office um and that's beautiful from now and then i also have maybe discovered with her help a few things that i didn't actually appreciate and i might not be floating but i might actually be very deeply in thought um but regardless every a single hypnotherapy session uh is like a, like god's gift uh, it's just beautiful because i'm i'm getting in touch with those parts of my brain that really yeah that normally stay in the dark in the very dark deep recesses of my brain so no well done it's lovely to hear that that you're using various avenues to explore ah it's it's ah and that's so beautiful you are you are no longer a victim of your circumstances you are you are like a like the indiana jones uh or well who would be the female equivalent of indiana jones who is exploring the uh, the archaeological ruins of your hate um sarah sarah croft wasn't there something like Lara Croft, Lara Croft. So if you think about a heroine uh, out there, uh, but you are diving deep into the archaeology there. <laughs> so, no, well done. Wow. 
Hey, look, uh, Ganesha, if there is, if people are listening to you and say, wow, this is amazing what this woman is up to, where can they find your books? They can find them on amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com or because I am in the middle of a rewrite, you can contact me. And honestly, I prefer it that way through Facebook at Blue Olives Corner, facebook.blue, sorry, facebook.com forward slash Blue Olives Corner. And the reason why I say through me is because you don't, I don't get it all from Amazon or Barnes and Noble. I only get a portion. And through me, I do get it all, but it comes with my my signature. It comes probably with a journal or some other little tidbit I may throw in when you also buy a book uh-huh. or books. I do have an upcoming relaunch in April in Memphis, Tennessee. So if you are interested, uh, I am selling tickets only because of the limited space in COVID. And I want to make sure everybody is good, but you will eat because... I was raised in the city by a Southern mother. And of course, we eventually moved to the South anyway. And I believe in making sure you eat well and have a good time. You'll have answers with me if you have questions. There will be trivia. I give away prizes because I love giving away stuff. So it's going to be fun. April 15th. Look for it. Oh, fantastic. Guys, look down there into the description of the video and the podcast. Uh, it is, you find all her links there. Go out there and and enjoy. Explore your own dreams, maybe by reading her stories and see which ones ring true with you. And then that is where the seed planting has started. Now you have to figure out, okay, what is your own journey? Ganesha has gone. Uh, Ganesha has gone through through uh, some beautiful transformation. So, what uh, what transformation is waiting for you? Who do you want to be when you grow up? And it doesn't matter if you're seventeen or seventy. You know, you have got a lot of growing up to do if you're the typical human being. It's just it so happens that Ganesha and me are a little bit further down the path than maybe you. But that is so what. So what we all have started one day, you started 10 years ago, I started eight years ago, and here we are. We both have found our voices. We both have found our um, our path. We both want to leave a legacy, and it is gorgeous. Are we always happy in our path? Well, no, because we explore some heavy-duty things, and there are days that are not so nice. And is there imposter syndrome? Hell yeah. I mean, do you still get imposter syndrome? Do you get moments that you that where this little voice says, are you really sure? Come on. Who are you to say that? Who are you to write that? Is that still happening? Yes. Or I still get those. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, I actually don't ignore them. I answer them and I say, I am someone with the answer someone is looking for. Beautiful. And I am the someone bold enough to write it down. Beautiful. And eventually they stop asking you questions because they don't like your answer. <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it because that's again the 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 power that you have got. It's like a superpower, really, because you are you have grown this strength 
out of out of your suffering, out of your past, out of your your baggage has your your mess has become your message, and that is so powerful. That is a superpower that you guys out there can can acquire as well. So you don't have to get bitten by a kind of a spider, or you don't have to to uh, bathe in a in a in a vat of some radioactive substance. No, it's just you know you just need to practice hearing your that's right hearing your dreams, paying attention to them, figure out what do they actually mean, and don't be afraid to challenge some of those things that happened, you know in the past and learn from it and move forward. So I love my life. I wouldn't have it any other way. Would you, I probably know the answer to that question, but if you had a time capsule, a time machine and you could go back in time, would you change your own story? I would change the way I responded. And I would change my response because knowing what I know now, had I only responded differently, I could have had what I wanted sooner. Uh, However, I am changing that story now. But yeah, I would change the way I responded to it. That's a very good point because we we can't do anything about those things that happened to us, but we can very much uh, choose how we respond and that is that is that is such a cool thing so yeah uh, I'm absolutely humbled this was an absolute fantastic interview uh, Ganesha I'm blown away how much your insights are parallel to my insights yet our stories could probably not be more different yet yet we have learned the same lessons the same the same we've got the same role models for crying out loud we both like hypnotherapy we both like tony robbins we both have got people who we listen to and and grow stronger by listening truly listening to them and then implementing daily little bits of action so it is uh it was such a refreshing talk with you today i'm very very grateful because i feel encouraged that i'm actually on the right path sometimes to be a leader sometimes to be out there outspoken you get rejection you get uh people who say what the hell are you doing um who are you kind of a thing and you get these little doubts and you, you it's a lonesome place to be to put yourself out there you have encouraged me and hopefully I've been doing the same to you to, to say, yes, let's keep going. Let's make this world a better place. One book at a time, one interview at a time. We can do it. And this, uh, guys, if you like that, that feeling, this is true. This is honest, deeply felt in both of our hearts here. So, guys, come on board. Make this world a better place by learning more about yourself, learning to love yourself, learning to accept who you truly are. and then taking it from there so now what a wonderful interview Ganesha I uh, thank you so so much for your time um, wishing you all the energy that you need to keep going with this amazing journey and and more books and no two ways guys go down there there is it there are her details down there once you're down there press the like and the subscribe button you know would be rude not to um, tell your friends tell your friends because this is 
This is amazing. I've gotten so much out of this interview. Hopefully you too out there. And maybe there are some people out there in your friendship circle or in your group who might want to know about that and might want to learn from that. Okay. The past does not equal the future. I believe in you guys out there. So stay strong. Ganesha, all the energy to you that you that you need to keep going. Look after yourself, guys. Bye. Dream on.